Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of Faith, Tech, and Space. I'm your host, Rich Hay from WindowsObserver.com. Good to be back with you. It has been a while, almost a month, since my last recording. I last recorded an episode on the 10th of April, and each week kind of successfully caught up with me and, and just come to the point, but finally settled in, got things sorted out, and now here we are recording Episode 9 today, which is the 10th of May. Um, so it's been exactly a month. Wow, I thought it was the 14th or something like that. Um, so, oh, actually it was the 14th. There you go. So April 14th was the last episode. Today is May 10th. So it has practically been a month for all intents and purposes. So good to be back with you. Got a lot of stuff to share with you here on across all three of our subject areas. And of course, anytime I go this long between shows, there's going to be a lot of stuff. And in fact, it's got me rethinking my approach to the show because I tend to love to share a lot of stuff with you guys across all three categories, right? Across faith, tech, and space. Um, but I need to trim it down some. So, so faith and space pretty much sort themselves out very well for the the amount of content I share. Uh, tech is the one that grows and grows and grows as each week goes by. So I'm I'm going to be looking at what things I can do a little bit different with the tech area to focus on certain types of things. Of course, I'm always going to focus on Windows Insider. I'm always going to continue to focus on Edge Insider and talk about the latest with Windows 10 as well as the latest with Microsoft's Edge browser, the new Edge browser. Where I need to tweak things a little bit is the, the, the great collection of things I do across hardware, software and services, and other just general tech news. So I, I will be working on that, and, and I'm hoping that that will allow me to focus down my energy to doing this show on a more regular basis because, like anything we do, when that list gets long, it gets harder for me to come back and get to it. I get to a point where I just want to scratch it all away and start fresh. Well, I haven't done that. This is everything that I planned, uh, and so we're going to do this episode this way, and then we'll look at the future for how we might tweak things and do things a little bit different, okay? All right, so let's jump into our miscellaneous kind of opening bits and pieces that I've had here. Uh, I got a great link here. I came across this from somebody on Twitter, and it's a Commodore 64 128 uh, book. It's the everything book for Commodore 164 or Commodore 64 and Commodore 128. And it, if you ever remember looking at those computer magazines from the, the 80s, it, and it takes you right back to that. It's formatted that way. You can flip through it. So I've got a link to, to get you there. And you can see some of the pricing and some of the games that were out, productivity software, all for the Commodore 64 and Commodore 128, which was definitely the kind of the 80s stalwart. The, uh, Commodore 64 was my first computer. So that's how I learned to compute and do things on. So I just thought it was a very nostalgic kind of thing. So I've included a link to that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to point out. So there's been all kinds of headlines in the tech world about increasing numbers of subscribers to this service and that service and increasing numbers of uh, users of official services or stream, uh, video conferencing, Zoom, Teams, uh, Google Meet, uh, Slack, whatever it might be, all of these services are showing an uptick in, in users, which is great. But when, when they advertise this and, and put these headlines up, it's as if it's this, this awesome miracle thing, you have to think for a second. You have to think back and you have to say, hang on a minute. Everybody's stuck at home. Everybody's using these services because they kind of have been forced to. And it's great that they're there. <clears throat> 
I think last episode I mentioned what would this have been like 15 years ago if it had been the mid-2000s and we went into this war, uh, quarantine lockdown stuff. We wouldn't have had anything like what we have now. The streaming services, the internet to the, the scope and level and ability it has now, all the, the remote capability stuff, we would just wouldn't have had it, right? So it's a very different time. So it's not surprising that all these services are ramping up numbers because that's where everybody has gone. The real key will be is when all these subscription services or streaming services that are seeing all this uptick in users, do they hold on to that post-quarantine? Now, as I've mentioned before, the right now we don't know, you know, people are starting to return to work. We know that there's a few companies already that have said, workers, you can stay home until the end of the year or the beginning of 2021. Uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and others, Amazon, uh, did I say Amazon? Uh, others like that are doing that. So, they're taking the choice now and we're going to, so we're in May now. So we're still seven months before the end of this year. And a lot of the big tech companies have said, stay home and do your work from there. So, uh, and we're going to talk about some virtual events that are coming up very soon because of the same circumstances. So things aren't going to be normal for a while, but again, the real key will be no surprise to see the numbers tick up during this time of coronavirus, but do they sustain when it's all over? That'll be the important look, okay? Um, however, among all of these services that are growing, in fact, Sonos launched their Sonos Radio, their free streaming radio service for their speakers. But AT&T, AT&T had a 900,000 customer drop in their latest reports. So while all these other services are growing and picking up subscribers, one that doesn't seem to be doing very well is AT&T. Uh, and then the other thing I thought was interesting, I, I've got a link here to a story that said it's about with us staying home, the changes that are happening around the earth. You've probably seen the pictures, the comparison pictures of smog um, lace cities like L.A. or Hong Kong or, or in China or anywhere else in the world. And you're seeing the dissipation of that smog because people aren't out driving. So it really is uh, further proof in your hand that that we create that stuff. And so we have to do more to protect the planet and to protect those circumstances as well. So, but this story right here, uh, it is really a good insight to show you some comparisons of before and after, uh, how things look now during the, this crisis and while people are on lockdown and not traveling as much compared to before all this happened. So it's a real eye opener. All right, jumping into the faith kind of stuff. Uh, where are we at? We're in the fifth week of Easter. Uh, we are in the Easter season for the Catholic Church, and our Easter season will continue for a couple more weeks. In fact, until the end of May, May 31st, is the, when the Easter season ends with the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, that is when the Holy Spirit uh, was was given to the apostles and other uh, members of the church uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. That is when the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And in fact, it's considered the birthday of the Catholic church. Uh, and it will be 50 days since Easter when that occurs. So that happens on the 31st of May. The week before that, the 24th is what we call is ascension. That is to, to celebrate uh, the ascension of Christ into heaven uh, when he finished his mission on earth. Uh, during the course of Easter, we've had a couple specific celebrations on Sundays that I wanted to make you guys aware of just to research them or see them or learn about them. Uh, one is Divine Mercy Sunday. That was on the second Sunday of Easter. And then Good Shepherd Sunday was the fourth Sunday. So both of those have very specific um, context on those days in in those celebrations and so divine mercy uh, was instituted by John Paul II, St. John Paul II. And then the Good Shepherd Sunday is because the gospel that day is about a Christ as a shepherd, the shepherd of his people. So that's why it's called that. 
Um, so we've talked about, I've got links to some articles here about these different times in the season. I've also got a, a link to the U.S. Council, uh, U.S. Council of Catholic Bishop website that talks about Easter. And I just thought I'd share a little tidbit that Easter, the season, has also known as and ha- has been called Eastertide, Eastertide, T-I-D. So it's just a unique way, kind of new way to, to know and understand what Easter is in the as far as formation goes, we continue in formation despite the, the lockdown and stuff like that. Uh, our local classes, we were supposed to be doing homiletics. I think I mentioned this last show. Uh, we were supposed to start homiletics, which is, the, which is teaching us about uh, preparing homily, which is uh, many, many Christians call this uh, preaching. We don't, it's not so much preaching. Uh, homiletics is about forming people, right, Le- helping them learn how the scripture helps to form us and, and how we can improve our faith lives and our who we are and, and our lives of faith. Um, so we were supposed to do that, but it's a class you got to do in person, right? Because you're doing a lot of, of uh, trying. You're getting up at the podium and you're, do, you're testing and you're doing things and you're practicing these homiletics. Um, so we've had to cancel that, but instead uh, we started a three-day local class online via Zoom, of course, on patristic, which is the study of the church fathers. Um, church fathers are um, uh, people, they weren't the apostles, but they were closely connected to the apostles or followers of the apostles, the original 12, um, the original 12 minus Judas. And and they were connected to them, and so their writings um, come up over the next couple centuries and help to kind of cement in the, 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 the churches, the church, the, the very young Catholic church on earth, and it's it's dogmas and it's it's um, it's faith and things of that nature. So different articles of faith and so we're studying patristics. In fact, we had our first day yesterday. It is a full day. I must have taken twenty plus pages of notes. It's just and I'm I'm an excessive note taker anyway. But we had a lot of lot of information, and so we'll we will do three days of class. So we have our next one in two weeks, and then we have the following one about a month from now, June thirteenth, I think it is. So we actually have uh, two four day four page papers due for each of the first two classes, and then our fin- after our final class, we will have a, a final kind of big wrap paper that will be about Saint Augustine, uh, who happens to be the patron saint of our diocese, Florida. And um, that will be an 8 to 10 page paper that we will do about Augustine. So that one is rolling. We started it yesterday and starting our work on that. Uh, Officially, tomorrow, we start our next online class uh, with Josephinium, which is the college out of Ohio that we're doing our studies through. And we just finished uh, sacramental theology. So that was learning about the various sacraments and things like that and their origin, the theology, as well as the practical aspect of those rites and how they're performed and and done like that. Um, So we start a new class now, and this one is on the synoptics. It's called the four gospels, the synoptics, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the Gospel of John. Now, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called synoptics because there's some similarities. The stories kind of overlap, and you'll find much of the same stories in all three of those Gospels. Even though they were written, you know, I think they started to be written around 70 A.D., give or take, and over the next 30, 40, 50 years. So even though they, they were written by uh, disciples of the original apostles, they were all handed down orally, and then they're inspired writing, right? We believe that they are inspired by the Holy Spirit and God. And uh, they were written and named after those apostles. So the, the names of the books, except for John, actually, John and Luke. Luke did write his, I guess. That fits that way, doesn't it? So we're going to study these four Gospels. Uh, that They are the four Gospels, the synoptics, and then uh, John is considered an apocalyptic 
gospel because Revelation talks about end times. Uh, And we're going to be doing weekly lectures. Uh, We're going to be doing weekly small group discussions. There'll be summarizations of those discussions, but we don't have a final test or paper in this class, which is interesting. Each week, uh, we will have a quiz around that week's subject, and then we'll have a paper uh, or a discussion point that's uh, due to be discussed on the forms, and then one of our small group will be required to write about 500 word summary of our discussion. So a pretty structured course, uh, and it's laid out the same way all 12 weeks. So looking forward to that because there's a lot to be learned about those gospels because it, it's interesting that we're this, we kind of had to flip homiletics because learning about the gospels help us in homiletics. So it's going to work out to be good as well as the patristics, right? The class that went instead of homiletics, it will help us learn more and be better prepared and be able to do richer homiletics. So I'm looking forward to all of this. It's going to be a busy summer, but that's what it's supposed to be. The formation is not about, you know, an easy ride and signing your name at the end. It's, it's about discovering and understanding uh, this call that we as deacon aspirants hear and exploring that call, understanding that call. Is it truth? Is it a true call? It's part of the reason I go to spiritual direction every month and meet with my spiritual director who ha- is a... And it's for us to be able to discover, is it a true call? Is, or, is it truly, are we being called to this, uh, to this ordination, to the holy orders? Uh, so I've got you some links here about the synoptic gospels. Like I mentioned, they're, they're called synoptic because they include many of the same stories, often in very similar sequence or similar or sometimes identical wording. Uh, and then the gospel of John is very distinct because of its nature. Um, it was revealed to John, the apostle John, and, uh, he wrote that. Uh, and then the other thing I want to mention before I uh, move forward with tech stuff is that during this time of lockdown and social distancing, the public masses have not been done. We have not been doing public masses. I've mentioned to you before I've been helping with the streaming of our mass. So uh, we've been doing a prayer called Spiritual Communion, and I wanted to put a link in there to that for anyone who's interested in understanding what spiritual communion is or what an act of spiritual communion is. Now, now the great news is, is that this coming weekend, so a week from now, now, public masses will be returning, not in the normal kind of shoulder-to-shoulder, fill-the-pews kind of stuff, but in a very controlled, structured way with lots of precautions for safety for because of the virus and how uh, transmittable it is uh, to be able to protect people, all people, people from all ages and ranges. Uh, so uh, we're going to be returning to those. I'll be able to talk a little bit about what that experience has been like. We, we and my church are going to continue the live streaming. So we're going to continue to live stream daily Mass Monday through Friday on our Facebook page at 8 a.m. We've been doing it at 7.30 a little earlier. And then the Sunday, uh, we will return to our normal Sunday weekend, our weekend schedule, which is Saturday night vigil mass at 5 30 and an 8 a.m mass which we will live stream also and then 10 30 and we're supposed to have a 5 30 p.m mass that day as well but we're not sure if that one's going to hold because the signups it doesn't look like the interest is there for that so that's where we're at with faith formation and returning to quote-unquote normalness in the church although it won't be normal for a very long time and the other thing where that is required to everybody who attends our mass the mass in this diocese is a mask so it'll it, the goal is to keep everybody safe right and to keep everybody safe in this circumstances because you know our priests are in that high-risk category uh, many of our parishioners are in that high-risk category so we have to be very careful here all right so that's where we're at with all the faith and formation stuff on the tech side windows insiders it has been so long since we talked talked about Windows Insider that I there's actually four builds for me to mention in this week's um, update. 
right? So the last build we'd had, the first build of this current cycle between episodes was 19608. Then we, a week later, we had 19613, then 19619, and then just this past week, 19624. So fast ring, that is Windows 10 V Next. That is the next version of Windows 10. Uh, not been branched out to a specific uh, feature update, but it's the, what they're working on with the main code. Um, those That's continuing on. It's a fairly steady pace. Not a lot of new features. They are highlighting some new apps and a functionality like that. But that's, that's kind of where we're at with that right now. Um, on the other side, Windows 10 20 H1, that is the first release of 2020 in the first half of the year, we now know that's called version 2004, or otherwise known as the May 2020 update. So that one is actually set in, let's see, uh, 19041.208 is in the slow ring, um, and then we had one that same build, .208, went to release preview. So right now, the Windows 10 May 2020 update is in release preview and slow ring on build 19041.208. It could be very much the last build. We don't know. We thought 207 was, .207, which was a few weeks ago. They had to do an update, so now it's .208. What we uh, do know is that we've got a blog post about the May 2020 update coming. We know that they plan to release it this month. We've heard that through multiple sources, including Panos Pane, the chief of the Windows division. and I also wrote up a bit of a development update myself on WindowsObserver.com uh, to kind of share where we were at with everything. But this was a few builds ago, but pretty much where we're at with 20H1. Now, the interesting thing about 20H1, check this out. Uh, there's a there's on the tech community, on the Microsoft tech community, there is a, a blog called Driver Roadmap. Well, they posted a post that just had a single image in it, and it had a calendar. And it had several highlights on this calendar, and it had a legend. And around the dates of 26, 27, and 28 May, there was a yellow block. And according to the legend, that is the the time frame that has been carved out of updates for Windows 10 for a feature update. So that holds true with what we heard a few weeks ago from Mary Jo Foley, who got wind that it was going to be the late in late May that we were going to see the May 2020 update. And then this driver roadmap popped up this past week and kind of confirmed that the 26th, she'd heard the 28th. This is a three-day window, right? 26, 27, 28. So it looks like we're going to see the May 2020 update, probably for seekers, right? The people who go look for it and go to download it uh, first before it rolls out to everybody. But that's what will get things started. This will be no different than past updates, right? It'll start with the people to go look for it, and then it will start to roll out to, to verified and confirmed machine, things like that after that. Okay, so that's where we're at with Windows 10 20H1, a.k.a. version 2004, a.k.a. the May 2020. Uh, some other things to take note of. Uh, Notepad is now available in the Windows Store. Now, you, as last time I checked, you can only download this to the fast ring, right? That's Windows 10 v Next. Um, but it is a version of Notepad in the Windows Store. It will not remove the Notepad that comes with Windows 10, but it's it's got a new icon, and, and so the functionality, though, is pretty much the same as the old Notepad. It's just where they plan to update it in the future, right, and give it more capabilities and things of that nature. Although if you overload Notepad too much, you get WordPad. 
Uh, Windows 10 hands-on, I wrote about Quick Assist Remote App. It's really an awesome app in Windows 10 to be able to help people out. I've used it a few times during this lockdown to help some people out with their computers and stuff, and it's very easy to do. It's very easy to get someone on the other end who might not be computer savvy uh, as you are to get connected so you can go to their screen and work on their computer for them. And they, they have control the whole time, right? They have control allowing you in. They, have, they can cut it off anytime they want, the whole bit. Uh, let's see what else add duplex report for April came out since we're in a new month uh, the month of May here add duplex came out and it looks like Windows 10 November 2019 update is out on one-third of PCs right now um, about 33% while the Windows 10 um, this would 1903 so that's the May 19 update is on 50% of computers almost 50% of computers and then you got a smattering of all the other versions of Windows 10 that are out but it looks like 19 the, the November 19 update is starting to pick up its ground and slowly but surely whittling away at what Windows 10 May 19 uh, 2019 update had uh, Microsoft is going to, oh yeah, there's the link to Mary Jo Foley's story about releasing the Microsoft May 2020 update on May 28th. Uh, they did revise because of all this work from home stuff and, and remoteness. They did come out and de uh, decide May, the Windows 10 version 1809, which was supposed to be coming out of support this year. Um, yeah, 1809, right? It's supposed to be coming out of support. Uh, it will expire in November 2020 now instead of now instead of June so they've extended it for June through November of 2020 so there's a little bit extra time there for people that need to maybe get off um, to get do that remotely a little bit more uh, sanely um, office hours talking about Windows 10 in a remote world if you are interested in learning more about supporting Windows 10 remotely because there's a lot of remote support going on uh, this is a really good place to go learn more about it and they have a live Twitter chat each week about it as well and in Windows, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Windows 10 turns five this year, right? This July will mark five years since the first release of Windows 10. Uh, it's kind of crazy um, that, that, you know, that five years already. So that would be the, your typical, under normal Windows circumstances, we would be ending um, main support and we would be going into extended support for the second five years but because of the way Windows 10 is Windows as a service and we have different lengths of time and support for the the feature updates in the spring which is uh, 18 month cycle and in the fall they're 30 month cycles so there's a lot of difference in that support now so the extended and main support aren't quite what they used to be but Windows 10 is turning five so it's a really good story and summary from Edbot I also over on uh, IT Pro Today wrote about uh, the past versions of Windows as well, as well as the upcoming release of Windows 10 version 2004, talking about the, the pros and cons of that for IT pros. All right, on the Edge side of things, where do we stand? Edge Canary is setting at 84.0.508. Edge Dev is very close behind. It's at .502. And then Edge Beta is in version 83 now. Dot, uh, that is version build 478.28. And Edge Stable is on version 81 at build 416.72. Now the thing about Edge Stable, because of when all this uh, lockdown and stuff happened, there was a slowdown in releases, they have decided that Edge Stable will skip version 82 and go straight to version 83. So that is due to come along. I, I don't remember when we got the latest Edge Beta and Edge Stable. I, it's maybe been a month. I don't know. Um, but when that happens, it will bump up to version 83. Now, some interesting things right now in Edge Stable, Edge Beta, Edge Dev, and Edge Can Canary, I now have the ability to sync extensions and to sync um, 
what's the other? Th- Let me pull it up. Extensions. Oh, and uh, collections, right? So I've now seen that across all four channels. I think beta and stable are still a 50 thing. They're still A-B testing that. But uh, the ability to uh, sync extensions and things like that is slowly but surely coming to all four of the levels. We already have it on the upper end, Edge Dev and Edge Canary, but Edge Beta and Edge Stable are starting to see as well. Uh, Microsoft did announce in the past month that they don't plan to bring back the reading list functionality to its new Edge browser because it didn't get used very much in Legacy Edge. So that is not going to make a a return. Uh, Microsoft Edge Canary can now generate a QR code to share a link with a mobile device. So up in the browser, you can see a little camera-ish looking icon at the end of the address bar. You click on that, it will give you a, a, a QR code that you can take a picture of and share that will be a link to that site that helps you share that link. Very easy. Uh, then there was Edge blog updates about working from home on Edge. Um, using multiple profiles on Edge is easier now, whether it be work profiles, personal profiles, or multiple personal profiles. Uh, the Chromium blog talked about keeping spam off the Chrome Web Store. They're really making an effort to start to change that and to clean up the extension store. And then um, Microsoft Edge in this day and age of everything being remote, the classroom, right? So Microsoft Edge ready for the classroom. They also share some details about how to deploy Edge, the new Microsoft Edge, in your school or in your district today. So there are plenty of tools available for you to be able to do that. All right. Um, miscellaneous tech kind of stuff, Build 2020 is not this week, right? Not, But the following week, so the starting on the uh, 19th, I think it is, um, Build 2020 registration is open. It's free. It's digital. It's going to be a live, a, a mixture of live and, re- and pre-recorded content. It's going to run for 48 hours straight. Now, there'll be some repeats in those 48 hours, right? So like on day one, when Satya Nadella is going is given a short keynote, about a 20-minute long keynote, according to the agenda that's also out, um, that will get repeated in the evening for other times. But it's basically going to run 48 hours straight from 9 a.m. the first day until 9 a.m. the second or, well, third day technically. So lots going on with Build. Doesn't cost you a dime. And apparently, I saw on Twitter, Microsoft is sending swag boxes to people who register for Build. <clears throat> so if you register for Build, you won't miss out on the swaggy stuff. So it will you will get a box. In fact, I have a, a pending delivery from Microsoft this coming Tuesday, so I don't know if it's related to that, but it looks like they addressed it to my to my home under my AT Pro identity, um, which is I'm covering that stuff for work stuff. So I'll, I'll let you know in the next episode and, of course, on social media when OBS what that box contains. Um, and then, like I said, I wrote a bit of a comparing Windows 10 versions in 2020, all the different versions that are out there now of Windows 10, because when we started, we had Windows 10, we had Windows 10 Mobile, right? We don't have Windows 10 Mobile anymore. So I, I talked about the different versions of Windows 10 that are available. That's over on IT Pro Today. We, I've also started a running list of productivity and user conferences that have moved online. That is a storyline we're going to continually update as other companies announce that their stuff is going to be online. Uh, and then, not like I said earlier as well, Windows 10 2004 has reached its final stages of development. That's build.208.19041.208 in release preview and slow ring, waiting and cooking to get ready to go. I hope that since it's been set in since December, it really has had a long time to kind of settle in and, and become very firm, become very solid and robust. Uh, what else are we doing? Microsoft posted their numbers. They had a really good quarter and labeled it as having minimal net impact from COVID-19. $35 billion in revenue, up 15% year over year. They had great numbers across a lot of different areas. Um, 
They also got some good news in that DOD cleared them about the Jedi contract. This was the contract that Amazon also bidded on, and uh, it was being reviewed because Amazon filed a complaint. DOD has come back and said, no, Microsoft's good to go. Now there's been some back and forth, which I don't have links to, but there's been some back and forth between Microsoft and Amazon, and so they're having a very public spat about this. Um, But it is what it is. It looks like Microsoft's going to retain that Jedi contract for a and to be able to take care of the DOD's IT uh, needs for a while. Uh, what else? Uh, the NFL had their draft at the end of April. Surface Studio, Surface Pro, Microsoft Teams, all kinds of Microsoft products were showcased. And so it was really a great, It was a, let's see, it started on Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, so a three-day event, probably the most watched ever because there was not much else going on in the world of sports. And um, so Microsoft's partnership with the NFL, with Surface and everything, was right there front and center. Uh, Microsoft Partners, so Inspire is Microsoft's partner event, July 21st and 22nd, announced all digital and no cost. Now, the only thing I don't know about this event is whether or not somebody who's not a partner can register for Inspire. So, for instance, BuildNet, anybody can register for Build, right? It doesn't matter. You're going to get to attend for free. It's online, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know about the partner program. I don't know about Microsoft Inspire. They may restrict that to Microsoft Partner. So it's possible everyday Joes won't be able to get in there, right? We'll have to see how that progresses and when the registration opens. But right now they have confirmed the dates, July 21st, July 22nd. All digital, no cost. We just don't know if it will only be for partners or if all of us, any of us can log in and watch. Microsoft's been talking a lot about privacy around COVID-19, and so there's an article from President Brad Smith talking about the seven principles for preserving privacy during COVID-19. Microsoft talking about cybersecurity around around COVID-19. So a couple different stories about privacy and uh, cybersecurity when it comes to COVID-19 from Microsoft. Apple reported their second quarter results, not too bad, Um, but All of the big companies, so Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple, and some others have found a lot of uh, bumps in cloud. Um, And it's kind of because of the nature of this whole work remotely, work from home thing, it it has been a boon. It's been a plus for them to have the infrastructure that they built up and have been building for years came in and was put to use. And in fact, a couple of them have had some issues, had to bring some more resources online, but it was a real eye-opener for the ability the ability to be able to do this. Many companies digitally transformed within weeks or days compared to the time it takes many companies. Uh, and it I, this whole period of work from home and work remotely is really going to change things over, over the long haul, I think. Uh, mentioned the Microsoft work from home policy, the Google work from home policy, the Amazon work from home policy. So they're all working through the end of the year from home if they want to, should, encouraged, whatever you want to call it. Washington State in cooperation with Microsoft, they've added a bunch of Wi-Fi hotspots so that people can drive up to them in their car and sit there and use the Wi-Fi hotspot. Um, and so it's an intent is to help give some connectivity to people that might not have good connectivity at home. And, and the, the use can be for, for school, for work, whatever it might be. All right. And then um, Facebook had a little news about rebuilding their tech stack. Uh, so the, specifically, I pointed out this one because the format, the, the layout of Facebook is changing. People have been offered that opportunity to use it over the last several weeks. Now it's rolling out to everybody, although it's not to everybody. It's rolling out to everybody. It's slowly but surely. I still don't have it. My wife, does. Uh, my wife the non-techie, has the new Facebook layout. Um, so that's where we stand with Facebook and them doing a few tweaks to their thing. Uh, I got to tell you, Facebook 
live streaming has been a, a blessing for us at my church and the ability to be able to take the Mass out live from uh, the church when it's happening and get it into the front of our parishioners at home. It has been a real plus to be able to have that kind of connectivity. Like I said, 15 years ago, we wouldn't even been thinking about it, right? Just wouldn't have even been thinking about it. On the hardware front, some excitement this past week, right? The new Surface Go 2, Surface Book 3, Surface Headphone 2, and Ear- Surface Earbuds, which were delayed from last October. They were announced last October and then delayed. Now they're all coming out. So the new surf- things that we've been seeing rumors about, Surface Go 2, Surface Book 3, Surface Headphones 2, uh, which also come in a black version. And some peripherals, right? Some new keyboards and mice and things like that. Uh, new docks also coming out with USB-C ports on them. So lots of good hardware news from Microsoft this past week. I've got links here to the fact sheets from on the Surface Earbuds, the Surface Headphone 2, Surface Book 3, Surface Go 2. All right, so you can take a look at all that kind of stuff. And there's videos that they've posted links to about the design, right, behind Meet Surface Book 3, Surface Go 2, Surface Dock 2, and go behind the scenes of how they were created. The other thing that's happened in the last month is the reviews of iPhone SE. So I've only linked to one here uh, because they it was a very good review, very thorough. So the iPhone SE, a smaller uh, phone with some pretty powerful innards in it, and uh, it, it got a pretty good review compared uh, comparatively as far as what it is and what it represents. I think it's a $399 phone, and it's extremely va- good value uh, based on. The other thing Microsoft or Apple did was they released the new 12.9-inch iPad Pro, uh, their magic keyboard for that. The reviews of that came out, so I've got a link to a, one of those reviews. And, in fact, they make a point to say that the iPad Pro with the keyboard, the magic keyboard, weighs more than a 13-inch MacBook Air. Um, charting the future, a really good story here from Dan Rubino at Windows Central. Uh, Dan talks about the fact that how the form factors of PCs are changing, how we're going towards extreme and light computing, right? So really heavy stuff. I just watched Rich Woods unbox a laptop, a gaming laptop, a $4,000 gaming laptop um, that uh, weighs like 13 pounds. I mean, it's just a laptop form factor. That's basically a desktop PC. Um, so the, the, the shape and form and size and weight of all these devices are starting to change. It's starting to become a very u- kind of widespread um, list of form factors. So this story from Dan Rubino on Windows Central from a couple weeks ago is really good insight into that. And so I've got a link here to that for you. Uh, Lenovo, you know how Lenovo laptops have the little red nub on it, right? The little rough filling red nub to move the mouse around. Um, it's kind of their traditional trademark. Um, well, they have released a keyboard that is wireless that has that has that same nub on it. So it's a wireless keyboard. You connect it Bluetooth uh, wirelessly to your computer or your laptop or whatever compatible device. But it, interestingly enough, has that little red nub in there for helping you move the mouse around. So I thought that was cool. I'd really love to get my hands on one of those just to check it out. Uh, Apple also updated this past week. They announced their 13-inch MacBook Pro um, and its new keyboard. Storage is up. Performance is up, and the butterfly keyboard is back, apparently. The old style that was not doing very well, did not get very good reviews, is now back. And so that people, a lot of people are really happy about that, that the keyboard is back to using the butterfly uh, key. Or maybe they're the new ones that were on a different model. I can't remember which. Um, but they're happy that they're there. So everybody, people happy with the MacBook Pro. And the... <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, Microsoft announced this week that the, there's been some reports about cracking, spontaneously cracking screens on Surface Laptop 3s. I haven't experienced that with mine, 
but it there there's some reports in the forums and stuff like that well apparently microsoft has now said yep okay we're going to fix those things when they happen so people who are having that problem can jump in there talk a little bit of software apps and services now so Microsoft 365 personal and family subscriptions are available. We heard about those launches. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. We talked about, no, that happened at the end of April. So see, this is one of the problems with me waiting four weeks to do a show. I forget when things happen. So Microsoft 365 personal and family subscriptions, they're now generally available. I've got links to the stories about different versions of that. In fact, the branding on my computer, my main desktop has changed. It no longer says Office 365. It says Microsoft 365. GitHub is now free for Teams. They've, re they've gotten rid of the cost of some of the features around the team usage of GitHub. Uh, Video YouTube Builder, YouTube Video Builder is out and really popular, and people say it's really fast and easy for making up videos and stuff. I haven't tried it yet. I might use it to edit out the uh, lead into this live stream because I put that and leave that as is on YouTube usually. Uh, Google Play and Trust and Safety Update. So I mentioned earlier that they were working to clean up the uh, extension store. Well, they're also working to clean things up in the app store as well and get rid of the, the, the apps that cause problems that are fake or, or scams or things of that nature. So it's good to hear Google taking positive steps toward trying to clean things up. Uh, so subscriptions on there, stopping bad ads, Google doing a lot to work on those kind of areas, trust areas. Uh, Chrome Enterprise, how to get remote workers up and running quickly and securely using Chrome Enterprise. So instructions for Google for that. Google is getting a bigger grid. So G Suite, um, they interviewed the guy who runs G Suite for, for Google and he talks about Microsoft and Zoom and collaboration and how they're doing things with uh, G Suite and Google Meets, which is now free by the way, um, amongst everything else. <clears throat> to be able to do video conference. Uh, Apple, they're gonna make their mobility data available to aid in COVID-19 efforts for tracking and stuff like that. Comcast has decided to extend their policies for COVID-19 out to June 30th. That was originally going to expire on May 30th, I think. Um, and so those changes, some of those changes is, for instance, um, no disconnect fees or, and they're waiving late fees. They are uh, given Xfinity Wi-Fi free for everyone, even if you're not an Xfinity customer. Uh, the data plans, there are no more caps or anything like that. So uh, if you are using their data plans, and I still haven't come close, but I work from home. It's normal. So I know my usage. Internet, internet essentials are free to new customers through June 30th. So that is their low income $10 a month plan to get people online. Um, so they are doing things to help people out during this tr uh, time frame as well. Uh, some info here about how to host, say, for Zoom meetings. I've read and seen the horror stories of people being Zoom bombed by all kinds of stuff. Um, so read this story about how to be safer on Zoom. And, and the big key here is there are some settings that Zoom has changed to make defaults to help make them a little more secure. And then, of course, using passwords and stuff like that. So check out that story about how to have safer Zoom meetings as well. Spotify now has 130 million paid subscribers. Again, these kind of stories don't surprise me right now because everybody's at home. Uh, well, I say everybody. Most people are at home. So these numbers are naturally going to go higher, right? I don't know if this story uh, from Paul Thurot has any info about how the increase. Oh, 31% year over year. Uh, it's now 286 million users and paid. So that's overall users because they do have a free tier. And then their subscriber base jumped 31% year over year to 130 million. And ad supported is at 160. So they're not doing too bad. But again, 
in this time and age. Not surprising. Um, Xbox One Spotify app, by the way, being updated with a new UI for easier navigation on consoles. Uh, Skype now supports custom background images like Zoom does and like Teams does and things of that nature. Uh, Messenger Rooms, this, is with a, this was kind of an unexpected one from Facebook, but they have now incorporated a feature called Messenger Rooms that allow you to have video chats like Zoom, like Teams, um, like Google Meet in Messenger itself. I have not had a chance to try it yet, though, so I'm, I'm, I still need to do that. Um, this one is help while you stay. Okay, so this is Google, again, uh, something they've published to kind of give people tips about staying at home and kind of how to manage your time and things of that nature. On OneDrive, differential sync support has now rolled out for all users. So now if you, say, for instance, have a, a large Excel spreadsheet, only the portion of that spreadsheet that has been changed will be synced back to the cloud. That's differential sync. It's kind of like differential backup. Only the changes get back synced up to the original file. So it saves bandwidth. You know, on a, on a two or three K file, that's not a whole lot. But if you do a lot of this kind of stuff, it turns into a lot of data that you're saving. Uh, and then also the desktop version of OneDrive got the ability to view and restore previous file versions on the desktop. So this is, this is their file history, right? Their version history. So they do maintain a... a a, a kind of a stack of two or three changes um, of, of your file as you change it over time so that you can revert back to the last change if you, if you realize you made a mistake. So you can actually now do that from the desktop by uh, right-clicking on the file and accessing the file. And then I've got a link here to the OneDrive roadmap that they published in April that talks about features that are coming out down the road. Uh, I mentioned earlier Google Meet now for free. So if you're looking for another video conferencing option, Google Meet is now available. One key thing with it, though, you have to have a Google account. You have to have a Gmail account. So just be aware of that. Uh, Microsoft Your Phone app got some control updates. It can now control music playing on your phone from the Your Phone app on your PC. Uh, I'm not sure of the usage scenario here for sure. I've used it. I've tried it. I've tested it. It's kind of neat. It's handy. But when I'm at the computer and I'm using the phone, it's one thing, but when I'm walking around with the phone, I use the interface or I use my headphones with, you know, the hand gestures and things like that, the touch controls. Cortana Beta got an update with a hardware section for managing Cortana devices. Um, and then speaking of Cortana, so with the release of the new hardware, we had a um, an app release called Surface Audio. And so it's now a, an independent app. It's available on Android, iOS, and Windows 10 to where you can control your Surface headphones, first generation, Surface Headphone 2, or Surface earbuds. So it gives you a ton of controls. And I've got a, a screenshot gallery on windowsobserver.com and a link here that so you can go look at that. It's pretty neat. It's very extensive. It's it's simple app, uh, but it's a very functional app. And then new features coming to Microsoft To Do, right? So they continue to innovate on Microsoft To Do. Wonderlist, which was kind of the precursor to To Do, uh, officially shut down this past week. But Microsoft To Do is getting some new features in it for seeing all your tasks in one view, uh, being able to, to screen things and update today and week views, see notifications on iOS, and printing your list from your phone and stuff like that. So it's a great uh, overall update. 
All right, security. Lots going on with security right now with coronavirus and COVID-19. And you have to be smart. You have to be savvy here because people are trying, like they do with all things, people are trying to take advantage of the circumstances and situation, right? So some of the things I keyed on, law enforcement and Microsoft have busted a big malware um, way, a malware attack. Um, Fish Cloud, which is a company who helps with preventing phishing schemes, has announced that they are offering a year free of their service to people to be able to go sign up for and use it to help fight phishing scams. And let me tell you, there are a lot of phishing scams around COVID-19. Google, 18 million coronavirus-related scam emails on a daily basis they're blocking. So anything coming into Gmail, 18 million coronavirus-related scam emails a day. That's just, I mean, again, scammers do this stuff because if one, if, 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 uh, of a million emails, if 1% respond, you've got 100,000. I don't know if my math is right off the top of my head, but you got a lot of people, right? Let me make the number smaller. If 1,000 emails are sent out by a scammer and 10% answer, 100 people have responded, right? That's that's profitable for the scammer, and that just scales up, okay? I couldn't do the math off the top of my head. Uh, 2,000 coronavirus scammers were taken offline in a major phishing crackdown. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic reveals ransomware's long game. So this is a really good read to understand how how we're seeing how scammers and ransomware is trying to play this out uh, for the long haul. Microsoft has warned there are uh, malware hidden in pirated film files. People are at home. People want to watch movies. Maybe they don't want to pay for Disney Plus, so they go searching for for files that are available to download and watch a movie. Unfortunately, though, that's the way you're going to get yourself a virus or malware. A new phishing attack was targeting Microsoft Teams, trying to steal credentials that I'm aware of. They solved this and they sorted it out. Microsoft uh, Security Response Center has dealt with that. And then Google Authenticator, right? If you're not using two-factor authentication, you should be. But Google Authenticator, their app for two-factor authentication, got its first update in a long, long time. And now, like like uh, Microsoft Authenticator, you can transfer accounts between devices now using the app. So very handy, especially if you have to wipe a device. It's easy to get back up and running with your authenticator just by authenticating back on and all your accounts come back. I've had to do that manually so many times it's not funny. So it's I love seeing that. as a, um, On the gaming front, Xbox Game Pass, helping people stay connected during this um, stay-at-home period, work-from-home period, isolation period. Because there's so many different games, it gives people access to the same games, allows people to connect and game together. Um Again, here's another one of those numbers that's not surprising considering the circumstances. Worldwide digital video game spending hits an all-time high of $10 billion. $10 billion. No surprise, right? People are stuck at home. They want to do something for entertainment. They can game and hook up with their friends and chat and, and josh with their friends while they're playing games. Uh, the new Xbox Insider Hub beta has launched on console. So that is now out. It's a change from the old one if you've been an insider on Xbox for a while. So you need to log in and get that. Um, Epic now requires, so Epic gives away a free game about once every week or two weeks, I think. Um, they now require you to use two-factor authentication to claim your free game. At, remember when Fortnite on Epic did this, they, they required, it got you a freebie, right? I forget what it was, but you did set up two-factor authentication with your Epic account and you got a freebie in the game. Well, now if you want to continue to receive the free games from Epic in their library, you have to use two-factor authentication. I love these methods to get you to get people using multi-factor authentication. I mean, it's important. You should be using it. 
inside the Xbox May 2020 episode recap, in case you missed the live version this week, gameplay shown off for Xbox Series X. And we're going to have a series of monthly events from Microsoft and the Xbox team uh, leading up to the release of the Xbox Series X console this fall, this coming holiday 2020. So uh, my understanding is June will be the month that we get to see Xbox Game Studio footage and gameplay uh, for the new console. So that they just showed off a lot of partner stuff in this past month, week. And in May, I'm not sure what they're going to talk about, but June is when they're going to show off Xbox Game Studios. Forza, uh, Sea of Thieves, Halo, uh, all of those kind of titles that are part of Microsoft. There's like 15 studios now part of Microsoft. That's when they're going to talk about that stuff. <clears throat> all right, jumping into the space part of the, the uh, episode. Quite a bit going on. Uh, some contracts awarded and things of that nature. So I'm going to run through these headlines uh, on some some kind of various miscellaneous things. Um, the X-37B orbital test vehicle is going to get ready to launch again. This is the United States Air Force uh, la- uh, controls this aircraft. In fact, the last time it was up, it stayed up for like 760-odd days. I mean, it has a tremendous on-orbit um, lifetime, and mainly because it doesn't have to carry oxygen for humans. To- so it's able to do a lot. And they're going to be testing some new solar power transmission tools and, and functionality like that. But you don't learn a lot about this. I, I think we vaguely might know when it's going to launch, but then we don't hear much about it after that. It's not, it's supposed to be uh, this secretive plane, but it's not so secret these days. Space Force going to, uh, I'm sorry, China tested a new spacecraft. It looks a lot like a Crew Dragon. They had a launch on their new heavy vehicle, and it was successful. It put the launch article, it put this capsule into orbit, and it, they did some testing, and it returned to Earth. Now, the, this lands just like the Soyuz does uh, when the uh, astronauts come back from ISS, it lands on the ground under parachute. And um, so it successfully landed and they had a picture of it. And I got a link to the story there for that. On the Virgin Galactic side of things, Spaceship Two made its first gliding test. This is the vehicle that's been built to replace the one that crashed a few years ago. Um, But it has passed its first gliding test over New Mexico. And then Virgin Galactic has struck a deal with NASA to work on supersonic rocket travel. Not sure what all that's going to entail. It's kind of high-end stuff. But they have had a contract, so they think Boeing might benefit from this. But it's an interesting read to kind of understand. But they are working on a lot of different stuff from NASA. SpaceX, speaking of stuff, NASA and SpaceX have confirmed the launch date, 27 May. That is a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a Wednesday is the targeted date for the launch of the first manned Crew Dragon on top of a Falcon 9 to the International Space Station. This will be the first time U.S. astronauts have launched from U.S. soil on a U.S. rocket since uh, 2011, I guess, when the final shuttle launched, STS-135. When did STS-135 launched on July 2011 and landed uh, 13 days later on 21 July 2011. I was there for the launch, watching across the river at Space View Park in Titusville. And then I was on the side of the shuttle landing facility early in the morning when uh, Atlantis landed after STS-135 at the shuttle landing facility. Great way to, I was so glad to be able to be there. Um, So we're talking about this will be the first launch of U.S. astronauts from our soil here in Florida, because that's where we launch people from, since 8 July 2011. So we're talking about... um, 
come almost nine years, right? So if we're going to do this in May, June, July, so we're talking about eight years and 10 months. So you're And unfortunately, we're in this situation with coronavirus. People should not be traveling down. In fact, the community down there is encouraging people not to come down. These kind of launches tend to draw a huge crowd. And so they encouraging people to not go down for this launch. Um, I'm kind of torn between what to do or what not to do, but I'll probably will simply watch from home. I might drive out to the beach to watch from the beach or something like that. But it's a mid-afternoon launch, so it's a challenging one to see from this far away anyway. But you will see it. So that's happening. That is, mission is called DM2. It's Demonstration Mission 2. If this is successful, those astronauts will return from ISS after a stay on ISS and will do a water splashdown in the Atlantic. Uh, the first time American astronauts have ever splashed down in the Atlantic, all the Apollo and pre, uh, well, not the first time, all the Apollo astronauts, it'll be the first since Apollo because Apollo always landed in the Pacific. Gemini, I think Gemini did Pacific landings as well, if I'm not sure. I know for sure Mercury, uh, I think, also tended to land in the Atlantic as well. Um, so this will it's the first thing in a very long time. So I got links to the stories about that, okay? Links to the profile for the mission. Uh, SpaceX is going to open up a plug, public beta of their Starlink networks, um, internet network satellite system. And so watched another launch of that a couple weeks ago. They've got more of those up in the air. Uh, Starship chilled pressurized and for the first time the fourth attempt did not explode so it survived its chilling it survived being pressurized with fuel and it, it's stayed intact so this is this was the fourth iteration of starship uh, out in boca chica texas is it boca chica texas or california i can't remember um and it so it it actually it's, it was it was done successfully right and then they followed up with that uh boca uh, texas yeah boca chica texas okay so um then a couple weeks later, they fired the Raptor engine on the bottom of that Starship for a test in its vehicle stand, and it passed that test as well. So I, I think we're getting closer and closer to seeing the, a full-size SpaceX Starship do a, some kind of a hop or, or small flight, short flight, low-altitude flight. So we're keeping an eye on that right there. Don't have much for Boeing this time, right? We know that Boeing's kind of in the circumstance they're in. They're fighting to get their next mission off. We talked about it last episode. They are going to have to refly their demonstration mission, uh, their orbital flight test, it's called, OFT. And, and then we'll see what happens after that. That's not going to be until later this year, though, because they have a lot of things to kind of solve. On the NASA front, I got links here for Jessica Myers, Mayer's uh, return with her from the ISS after her stay and their stay on ISS. Uh, remote observation from the International Space Station linked to a story about that. NASA's Perseverance Mars rover, which is down in Cape Canaveral right now, got balanced in preparation for it being encapsulated and ready for it to be loaded on top of an Atlas V rocket that's going to launch it towards Mars later this summer, I think July. Um, NASA Perseverance team been working from home, though, just like all of us. And so it's a really interesting story link here, how they're working from home to prepare for this mission that's launching in just a couple months. Um, astronauts, robots, and the history of fixing and building things in space. The reason this story was written is because it's been 30 years ago that Hubble launched to, to uh, go into orbit to start taking photos. Everybody knows the story of Hubble, right? Uh, Hubble launched with a bad set of eyes. There had to be a repair mission. There's been two or three since then. Uh, unfortunately, she's on her final, she's not going to be repaired anymore, but she has served for 30 years in orbit. And there's just a great story background of that, images and the whole bit. So it's a real fun story to kind of go back and look at. Uh, Blue Origin, NASA selected Blue Origin. This is Jeff Bezos' space company. 
uh, and to help return humans to the moon. So they're going to help build out as part of the national team several companies, several commercial companies that are being brought together to kind of solve the, the challenges of going to the moon, landing on the moon, and working on the moon. So interesting story there for Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin. Uh, NASA is going to provide coverage of the SpaceX commercial crew test flight, so expect full coverage of that launch, uh, the orbital, the docking, the whole bit, okay, just like we would normally see, maybe even a little bit more because it's the first humans from Cape Canaveral in a long time. Jim Brandenstein, the administrator of NASA, wrote about how, why that launch and the Demo-2 mission is so essential to things for NASA and our space program. Uh, Apollo 13, right? We just passed the 50th anniversary of Apollo 13 and the successful failure that Apollo 13 was. But their BBC News shared some enhanced images that shows what things were like on Apollo 13 in Aquarius when they were using Aquarius as a lifeboat. That's the lunar module that was part of Apollo 13 to get home back to Earth. Um, And then some images, uh, enhanced images of the actual damage to the command module. Uh, And then there's a story here also about Launch Complex 39B, which is being built up to support Artemis, which will be the launches to Artemis, SLS, and things like that. Uh, I got a chance to visit 39B last uh, last year during a NASA social and got to take a look at all the work that's going on on that platform. It's pretty cool. Okay, let's wrap things up with a few uh, various items that I typically pull together at the end. Social media games. Everybody's seen this, right? Tell me what your favorite XYZ is. Tell me what your first dog's name was. Tell me what your, you know what I'm talking about, right? They are a gold mine. If you're, if you're answering them legitimately or not legitimately, you are running a risk of giving people insight into who you are and kind of how you maneuver and use things and set up security. So you really shouldn't be playing those games, okay? Uh, now, I guess if you're a person who can be 180 degrees completely opposite of anything even remotely close then and be sarcastic, maybe you might be able to do this, okay? But be careful because they do reveal things. Um, Google has released a new tool this past week called uh, the Google Podcast Manager, and you can go sign up for it. If you're a podcaster on Google Podcast, um, you can now go sign up for Google Podcast Manager, and it gives you insight into your audience and who's listening to your stuff. So I got a link there for that. Bill Gates on life after lockdown, what it's really going to take to defeat this pandemic. I told you last episode, I think it was, there's just a couple of sources I go to for for coronavirus information. And Bill Gates is somebody I will listen to when he talks about this stuff. So that's why that link's there. Uh, The Navy released, now this created quite the hubba. Uh, The Navy released a few videos a few couple weeks ago that showcased, quote unquote, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right here for the live stream, unidentified objects. Now, there are those in the, in the world that will say an identified object means alien. Not necessarily. No, no, no. It's an unidentified flying object. UFO. Unidentified flying object. I don't know their source. I don't know their, their origin. But they're just unidentified because they show characteristics that they can't match up to something. So there's plenty of conspiracy theory that goes around. There's plenty of uh, crazy wise tales that go around about this stuff. Um, I've even had an incident myself way when I was living in Italy. I was in my backyard. I had my telescope out, so I was looking up in the sky, and I saw a very strange pattern of lights cross overhead of my house. Um, it was almost like a, a flock of geese, except it was white lights in a V formation, right? And then as I looked away, uh, they were moving at a very steady pace, but not crazy fast or anything like that. Uh, as I turned away to call my wife, I looked back up. They were gone. So was that alien? 
I don't know. Was it was it some kind of weird military thing? I did live next to a military base. I don't know. Were they unidentified? Yeah, I couldn't identify what they were. I didn't hear any sound. All I saw was light. And they moved at a fairly normal speed and then just weren't there. So was it weird? Yeah. Were they unidentified? Yeah, most certainly. Does that mean that they're anything kind of weird, outlandish, or, or, or conspiracy-related? No. Not at all. So it just it's been interesting watching the reaction to that those Navy videos that got released. And then finally, I wanted to mention here an interview with Stephen Sanofsky. Now, many of you know who Stephen Sanofsky is. He is uh, the, an author extraordinaire of blog posts about Windows 8. Uh, he does great Twitter streams sometimes and Twitter storms talking about uh, technology and talking about insight on technology and things of that nature. So I highly, he's going to write a book apparently. So Fast Company did an interview with him and talked to him and it's a really good Q&A. So I recommend you go check that out. All right. So guess what? That brings us to the end of everything I had laid out, and this is just over an hour into the recording, so I knew it would be a long show, but uh, like I said, looking forward, we're, I'm looking to change things a little bit and kind of reduce down that tech section. Um, I, I want to focus more in on that. It's kind of... Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of kind of willy-nilly, right? It's a lot of different stuff. It's a wide range of stuff. And so what I have to determine over the next couple of weeks is what do I want to focus on when it comes to technology? Um, I think a lot of people get value from some of the stuff I talk about because I mention it very briefly, but it triggers something in somebody's head. They come look at the show links, they get that link and they go get that thing or they look at that thing or whatever. Um, and I get that, but I also know that I need to kind of trim things down. I know that my own work schedule schedule is going to not just work my study schedule my formation schedule at least for the next three months is going to be very structured very 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 stringent on the, my week-to-week process of my online classes as well as all the way through the end of June for my local classes, the patristics class I talked to you about. So I got to change. I, I want to do this podcast. I love doing this podcast. I love being able to talk about faith, tech, and space and, and you know the interactions of all those things. But I need to do it in a cleaner way, especially in the tech section. I think I have a pretty good balance in the faith part. I think I have a pretty good balance for the space part. It's that piece in the middle. And like I said earlier, I'll always talk about Windows Insider and Edge Insider stuff and things around that, builds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just need to figure out how to trim down the rest of it to be more on point with, with a certain approach about tech, okay? So I will be doing that over the next couple of weeks. In the interim, I want everybody to stay safe, stay healthy, stay, um, stay where you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do, okay, to stay healthy, all right? We want you coming back and listening to every episode of Faith, Tech, and Space down the road. So until next time, stay safe. Take care. Thank you.